Take your Bible out and turn with me. We start, we're starting a new series uh, this weekend called Rooted in Christ. It's a great title based on uh, this series we're going to get started through the book of Colossians. We're going to walk all the way through uh, the book of Colossians. And if you, whether you're here for the first time, as Pastor Jim alluded to, or you've been here your whole life, as he talked about a little bit, uh, we want to just encourage you to open your life up to what it would look like to be, as we start out 2023, be rooted in Christ. What would that look like? What would it look like for you to open your life? What would it look like if you could, at the end of 2023, if we were in December and we're looking at the end of 2023, what would it look like if, as a result of you here at the first part of this year, that you made a decision, I'm going to open my life up, whether you know Jesus or not, but you just said, I, you know what, I don't, I don't know about Christ. I've never invited Christ to be my Savior, but I'm open to opening my life up to what that might look like. And you begin a journey, or whether you've been... Uh, in the church and a follower of Jesus your entire life, and you're just saying, you know what? I know that there's more that I need to learn and grow in and be more and more like Jesus. What would it look like if in the end of 2023, you could look back and say, you know what? In my life, I am more like Christ. In my interactions with people, in my world, in my spheres of influence, I can honestly say that, that I interact more now at the end of 2023. I interact in, a, in more of a picture of Christ now than I was at the beginning of 2023. What would it look like for us to be able to say as a church that, that we have been in ever-increasing ways able to serve our community and serve our world in ways that look more and more like Jesus? I would say, and I think you would agree, that that would be a win. If we could get the, to the end of the year and say that, yes, we have become more and more like Christ as we start off the year rooted in him. That's the goal. Based on, there's a great passage in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, that we really could look at as a foundational uh, verse for us. The first part of verse 7, let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. That's our goal, to open our lives up, to let his roots grow down, or our, our roots grow down into him, to build our lives, to build our church on him. And so, Father, whether we're uh, on a radio, other side of some screen somewhere in this room, Father, over the next few minutes, I pray that you would help us to, as we look at your word and look at this first part of the book of Colossians, God, that you would speak to us. That you would help us to understand our need to open our lives and just the exciting journey that we could start on this year to root ourselves more deeply in your son. And now, God, as we, as we look at your word, I pray that you would help us to start that journey today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1, chapter 1, Colossians. This letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We're writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. Now, in those first couple of verses, there's some important things, some information that we need, foundational that we need to, to get. First, notice it's a letter. Now, we talk about books of the Bible. Well, these books actually, not necessarily books, they're actually letters. Fancy word for that would be an epistle, uh, but a letter that some of the, the church leaders in that first New 
Testament era, their apostles or early church leaders, they wrote these letters to, to different people or different churches. And that's what this is. Paul, the most prolific of all the New Testament writers, is the one who penned this particular uh, letter to the church at Colossae. He wrote it around 60 AD. If you remember, Jesus was crucified around 33 AD. So a few decades later, now he's writing this letter. He's writing it uh, from prison, probably in Rome. Now, when you think prison, don't think dungeon with chains, but think house arrest. Uh, Still had some ability to have some people around him. Still was able to write, correspond, do some things like that. And so that's the shackles and stuff that would come later. But now it's more of a house arrest situation. And so he pins one of what are four, what have been called the prison epistles or prison letters. Those include Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, here in Colossians. So these are the the four letters that he wrote from this imprisonment around 60 uh, AD. And notice what first, what he says about himself. He says, chosen, describing himself, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's telling us about the call that he has in life, the purpose that he sees that God has called him to for his life. I'm reminded of my own life and back when I was a teenager and feeling that call to, to ministry, that call to be a pastor. I'm not an apostle, but I have been called to be a, a, a pastor. And I think back on that. It made me, made me think, though, also of a guy in the church I grew up in southern Illinois. There's a guy that I remember hearing just the stories of how he would, uh, the way he'd talk. And he would talk about in terms of, you know what, I'm not a pastor. I'll never be a pastor. I don't want to stand up in front of people or do any of those kind of things. But, but he was a very successful business person in the community. And he would say things like, but you know what, I feel like God has called me to be a successful business person so that I can exercise the generosity that God has, the spiritual gift that God has given me, so I can exercise that and I can support the ministry of, of the church. Just a reminder that we all have our roles. And Paul here, he talks about the role that God had given him. But I just want to encourage you in 2023 to lean into the role, whatever it is, that God has given you to play in his kingdom work. So Timothy, he also acknowledges that Timothy is there with, him, with, with me. Uh, Timothy is the young prodigy, the, the one that he'd been pouring into this one that had, had come to Christ, and, and, and he's helping him grow in his faith. Uh, Paul, also note that he is writing the church in Colossae. Colossae is a city that Paul, at, at this point we know, he had never been to. He refers to it that way. He had never been there himself. He had just heard about things that God was doing in the people of Colossae, in this city. And so he wanted to encourage them. They were, he saw them as his brothers and sisters in Christ. He wanted to help them. There were some issues that, that they were combating. There was some, uh, some really some heresy stuff, and we'll get into that later. But, but he's trying to address that. He's trying to help them. And he's writing to the church at Colossae. Remember, I said one of the other prison letters was, the, was Ephesus, uh, the, the letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians. Ephesus, you could think of basically, as a, you could think of it in terms of like a, a first century Chicago. And then Colossae would be kind of a, uh, St. Joe would be more similar to Colossae. Uh, Colossae was a smaller city. It was uh, surrounded by agricultural stuff. So it was very, very much could, could see ourselves in the people that Paul is writing to. 
I want you to notice something that it's really easy to skip over in verse 2. He says, may God our Father give you grace and peace. We might skip over it because we hear Paul say that over and over and over. We see several letters that he writes. He says those types of things, but don't overlook it just because he says it a lot. It has deep meaning. He's saying, I want you to experience from God his grace. That unearned favor of his, that Un, you, you, you didn't do anything to get it. He's just giving it to you. And as you experience the grace of God, which he says first, then you can experience the peace of God or peace with God and peace with your world. You can ultimately find peace. You can f- find the shalom of God. You can find that, that state of tranquility or serenity, being free from the conflict or the turmoil of this broken world. That's what he's praying that they would experience. That may you experience from God our Father his grace and his peace. And as we enter 2023, that's my prayer for us. My prayer is that you would experience his grace. That you would experience his peace. In verse 3, he says, as he talks to them about what he's, he's praying for them about, he says, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this ex- expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Again, these people that he's writing to weren't people that he knew personally. Uh, all the other, uh, these other letters, Ephesians, Philippians, he had planted these churches. He knew these people. He had been there on the ground. But in this instance, he's just heard about them. But he still loves them. He's still praying for them. He's heard of their faith. He's heard of their, as he says, their love for fellow believers. He's heard about what God's doing in them. And he says, I've, I've been praying for you. I want to pray for you. And it reminds us of our need to pray for one another. I don't know, there's probably a lot of us that have never been over to the Benton Heights campus. I hope you pray for them. Maybe you've never been to the Stevensville campus. I hope you pray for Pastor Chris and pray for Pastor Jaime and Lindsay and Rachel. I I hope you pray for the staff that's serving in other places. I hope you you pray over the youth ministry and children's ministry, even though uh, some of you are scared to go upstairs where all the kids are. Uh, I hope you still pray uh, for different parts of this larger body. And that's what Paul's saying, that he's praying for them because prayer matters. I hope that you pray, even though you've never been to Malawi or been to Paraguay or been to Lebanon, that you understand that these are our brothers and sisters in Christ and there's amazing things that God is doing around the other side of the world and they need our prayers. And we should pray for them and we should love them and we should understand the partnership that we have with them. I, if you were watching um, football, Monday Night Football, and you saw Damar Hamlin, and you saw that horrific um, just event where he had that cardiac arrest. And if you've watched the news at all, you've seen all the talk around that. And I don't, I don't know him, and of course, never met him, but I prayed for him. I know many of you prayed for him. We saw, uh, if, if you were watching, you saw uh, the, the, the teams kneel in that moment on the field and pray for him. You saw, I don't know, if you were watching uh, ESPN, one of the commentators on live TV on ESPN just paused and said, let's pray for him. He prayed on live TV for DeMar Hamlin. Last, last night, if you're watching the games, maybe you saw the, 
the players from both teams come out to the 50-yard line, and they knelt, and they prayed, and national TV didn't break to a commercial. They held on that shot as people prayed. And now what are we hearing? Doctors talking about remarkable recoveries and all the positives, of, and he's got a long way to go, but it just reminds us, I hope it reminds us that prayer matters, that prayer is that slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. That is our God, and prayer matters. Paul is saying, I prayed for you. Don't let that just be a throw-off line. Let's mirror that as well. Let's pray for one another, even though we don't know everybody across all of our campuses or know our missions partners. Let's pray for one another. And what does he say? He, he's talking about this excitement uh, that he has for their faith and the love for God's people. And what does he say? He says, which comes from the confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. So as we think about that, our faith and love for others rooted in the hope, like Paul talks about their hope, that's been reserved for them. I just want to encourage you as he's praying for them and talking to them to find hope in your reservation in heaven. Do you understand that you have a place if you put your faith in Christ, that there's a place for you reserved in heaven? That our confident hope is what he, how he describes it. The confident hope in our eternal home, it can create a freedom for us. We can be free to, to love deeper. We can be free to, uh, to, uh, to serve others in a more winsome way because we know that this world's not my home. And the, when the problems come and the issues come, this is not my home. I'm just, a, I'm just passing through. I have a reservation in heaven. A place reserved for me. And in the Greek, when you look at that, that phrase, conf, this translated confident hope, he's not talking about wishful thinking. That's not the translation. The translation is a confident expectation. I don't know about you, but I like getting confirmation numbers. You like when you order something, you get a confirmation number. A lot of times I'll, I'll take a screenshot or I'll, I'll take a, a picture of that confirmation. Like when I'm going somewhere, traveling somewhere, and I make a, a reservation at a hotel or whatever, I take a picture of that or I make sure that's in my email or whatever that I have access to that confirmation number so that when I walk into that lobby and that person, well, I don't know if we have your place, Mr. Your, your room, Mr. Klopp. Um, like, actually, it's Culp. And yes, you do, because I have a confirmation number. And you can show them the confirmation number, and they say, oh, yes, well, here, you, here it is. Yes, I see it now. Now, the illustration breaks down if you've flown with Southwest Airlines lately. Um, confirmation number in that case doesn't mean much at all. But thankfully, our conf that, 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 that God's not running Southwest Airlines, and they have nothing to do with the confirmation that's been reserved for you, the reservation you have in heaven. If you put your faith in Christ, be encouraged. Find hope in your reservation in heaven. In verse 6, he says that same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he's helping us on your behalf. He's told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. 
I love how those verses remind us that in this little fledgling church, that the good news is being proclaimed and that lives are being changed. And that same good news that was being proclaimed there, he talks about is being proclaimed around the world and that, and that lives are being transformed and lives are being changed. It's moving around the world, he says. It's bearing fruit. Lives are being changed. Just like it changed your life, it's changing others. And so he's talking to this little sleepy town of Colossae. And he said, what's happening in you is, is, is you're influencing others and it's, 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 it's making a difference right where you're at and around the world. And that's us in our sleepy little town of St. Joe, Michigan. God is using us. Lives are being changed here. And we are, being, are working together to make, to, to, for God to work through us to bring change across this world. That should be an encouragement to us. That, that to be able to find encouragement that the gospel is bearing fruit and we're a part of that. Like, uh, some of you, uh, you were here the week after Thanksgiving in that service where we just celebrated life change over the past year. And, and story after story of people just like yourself that God is changing lives. And if you missed it, you can go back to our YouTube page or our, uh, our, our website and you can find that service the week after Thanksgiving and just listen to life change. Were you with us? Many of you were at our Lake Michigan baptismal service across our multiple campuses, baptized 73 people this year. So when people went under the water, we celebrated the, the, the life that has now been changed, that, that old life is gone. And as they come up out of the water celebrating new life in Christ. Life changed. Life's transformed. That's what's going on here. Or we talked about it. Maybe you're aware. We just had a group that got back from Malawi where they helped construct a dorm, the first of three that are going to be helpful, a place for pastors who are there to get training, to grow uh, in their knowledge of the Word so they can go back to their towns and villages all across Malawi, and they can, they can proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the building that we built is filled now every single week with, with worshipers, hundreds of them. They said that it was a four-hour, I think, worship service that they were a part of, that team that just got back. People's lives are being transformed. There's churches that have been planted from that hub. And again, we together were able to do that. That's who we are. Be encouraged that the gospel is bearing fruit. We look at our world and we hear these reports of people leaving the church, of people that are walking away. And I can't help but think that they're walking away not from what we see described in Scripture. They're walking away from, from what is instead some dead, lifeless, compromised version of the truth that we find in God's Word that changes lives and sets people free. And we need to be a church like that, that, that is not compromised, isn't dead in our faith, but we still believe that, that God's on the throne. We still believe he's healing. We still believe he's moving. We still believe he is able. We still believe he's changing lives. That's who we want to be in this community and in this world. In verse 8, he said, he has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we're finding hope in our reservation in heaven. We're finding encouragement in the gospel that is bearing fruit, and we find love for others. That's what he says of the church in Colossae. In the work of the Holy Spirit in us, he's finding love for others. 
as he's, he's describing what's going on in them. I hope we are finding that as well, finding love for others and the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Does anybody have somebody in your life that unless the Holy Spirit helps you, you're struggling to love them? <laughs> anybody else got some of those people in your life? Okay, don't, don't, don't look at them if they're sitting next to you, okay? But they may even be in the room with you. I get that. And find the encouragement that the Holy Spirit can help you to do what maybe you can't do on your own. You're not on your own. That, that, that he can help you to love. And that's what we want to be. We want to be a church that the world sees, that, that takes note, not that we just love people that are easy to love, that look like us and act like us and believe like us or, or whatever, and have the same persuasions or whatever. But, but what would it look like if we became a church that loved people that the world says, well, I can't believe the way they treat those people and how loving and how helpful and how open they are to help and to love and to embrace. That's who we need to be. Finding love for others that's only made possible by the Holy Spirit at work in us. Is there something, someone in this year that you need God's help to love? Verse 9 so we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard of, about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so he explains further this prayer that he's praying for them. He's praying that they would be transformed by Christ, praying that they would be uh, transformed by the truth, that they would live out their, their faith. He's praying that, that they would have complete knowledge of his will, that he would give them spiritual wisdom and understanding. And as we Talk about that. That's, that's the goal that we want to have, and we, we mention that occasionally. That we don't want to just have classes and do things and get together on days like this and just, just learn more stuff and have more knowledge just for knowledge's sake, but we want to be able to understand how can I take what I'm learning, how can I apply that to my life with wisdom, and that's wisdom. Applying knowledge is wisdom. And Paul is praying not just that they would have more knowledge about Jesus, but they would have wisdom to live it out. One of the problems that's been said, and I've often said it as well, hearing it from others, is that in the Western church we are f educated far beyond our level of obedience. And so we know a lot of things, but are we wise with it? Are we applying what we know? Are we taking the name of Jesus and is it making a, a difference? Are we just taking that name of Christian and, and we're living however? Or are we allowing the truth that has transformed our lives to then shape the way that we live? Is it making a difference? And the reason that our 110 plus year church continues to thrive in 2023 is because back in, in the 1910s and the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and on and on and on, there were people who learned about Jesus, but then they also had the wisdom to apply what they were learning to the way they lived and the way they interacted in their world. They were, they were taking what they were learning about Jesus and they were living it out. And that is why we 110 plus years later are still thriving. Because there are some of you that have been around since the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And all along you have faithfully, not just grew in your knowledge, but you have faithfully continued to be wise and to be faithful and generous and lived out your faith. 
And, you, and we haven't been a church that's just thought uh, with knowledge, well, well, that's the way, knowing that this is the way that ministry was done back in the 40s or the 50s, and so we'll just continue to do it that way. No, you have, we have, and that's the reason that, that we're strong today is because we, this church is built on the foundation of great men and women, and many of you are still here. And you've continued to grow in your knowledge, but also in your wisdom. To know it's not just enough to learn what the past generation did, but how can I, in the generation that God has planted me, how can we do ministry with wisdom to reach the people in 2023 and beyond that God has called us? And it's going to take us doing a little different than they did it in 1910 or 20 or 30. And the reason we're still here and thriving is because you all get it. In Colossians Verse 10, he says, then, and the word then is really important, then the way you live will honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And so we have this wisdom, and we live this, this knowledge, and then it becomes wisdom, and we live it out, and it produces stuff in us, and it produces, and what does he say? All kinds of good fruit. And it reminds us that we need to be, as a church, as individuals committed to good fruit. If you want to do something later, you could go up and go and do a little study of all the different kinds of fruit that Scripture talks about. There's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those fruit. But there's also fruit of, of, of living out your faith, that kind of fruit. You're living it out and you're, you're, as people can see Christ in you. There's the fruit of decisions for Christ as you are an influence in your world. So there's all kinds of different types of fruit we need to be committed to fruit production, all of it. So all the while, grow, he says, and learn to know God better and better. So do you see a cycle? And I'll put up a graphic. Sorry if you're listening on the radio or you're online, you can't see this. But, but here's this cycle that I want to encourage you to, to, to check out. And we're going to call it the root development cycle right out of the Scripture. And what's he say? Be filled with the knowledge of his will. And then as we're filled with that knowledge, then we live in ways that honor and please. I'm probably going the opposite direction. I need to go this way. Uh, filled with the knowledge of, uh, and with honor and what we need to do to please the Lord. And so we're, we're living that way. And then we're living lives that produce good fruit, which in turn helps us to grow in the knowledge of God. And then back to the top and we have this cycle. And so as you think about that and you think about 2023, think about where you are. Is there some gap? Are you still growing in your knowledge of the will of the Lord? Or have you, you kind of coming into 2023 with a been there, done that, got the t-shirt kind of mentality. You know, I've been in the church a long time. I know, I know what I need to know. I'm good. Or maybe you're not, you, you know a lot of stuff, but you're not actually putting into practice. When people, when you mention that you, you're a follower of Christ, or you're a Christian, or maybe you attend church, they're like, say what? <laughs> Do you sleep all the time? Are you paying attention to what's going on? Because it doesn't seem like your life is really, uh, you're living that out. Because what I see, so is, is that kind of the, the vibe you give out to the world? So where, where are the gaps? And so in this year, 2023, where are the gaps? And how can you address the gaps in this cycle? In verse 11, we also pray that you'll be able to be strengthened with all glorious powers that we can have all the endurance and patience that you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. To find encouragement as Paul is talking. 
That the Christian life is not just about all the, the power that we can muster up on our own, but there is power available for us. Power to do what? So that we can, be, so that we can experience endurance and patience. All the patience that we need, all the endurance. Anybody need some more of that? Well, the way you get it is not just you, how you can work harder to get it, but to rely on the power, the glorious power that God wants to give you. And also joy is also in there. Does anybody need some more endurance or patience or joy? Thankfully, we don't have to do it on our own. Trust God's power, not your own, as we enter this new year. And then... One final thing, look at the end of verse 12 and verse 14. And just, this should be encouraged by all the things that God has done for us. Listen to what it says. And I've, I've had it, it's highlighted for you, all these cool words of what he's done. He has enabled you to share in inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. All these things that God has done. He's enabled you to share in his inheritance. How can we share in his inheritance? It's not dependent on anything that we do. He has enabled it. He has enabled you. He's qualified you. He's made a way for you to inherit what, he's, what he wants. And that inheritance, and that would be a cool study too. There's all kinds of passages that talk about the inheritance that we have. We are heirs of eternal life. We are heirs of salvation, heirs of glory, heirs of righteousness, heirs of the gift of life, heirs of immortality. That's what God has enabled us to inherit. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, he says. How many great movies, the, the plot line is the hero rescues the person that's been taken captive and is in the dark. And the hero comes, and that hero is Jesus. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and then he has transferred us. So he's moved us from the kingdom of darkness, where? Into this kingdom of his son, Jesus. We are heirs. We're children of God. We're members of the kingdom. He has purchased our freedom, and he did that as Christ gave his life on the cross. He purchased our freedom. He purchased. He's he's set us free from the penalty of sin and its consequences. We're free in Christ, no longer slaves to sin, free to live a right life as God helps us in right relationship with God. Purchased our freedom, and then what's he say? Finally, he's forgiven our sins. We don't earn our forgiveness. He has given it to us, made possible by. So, as our worship team comes back up, let's celebrate as we conclude today. Celebrate that we have been enabled and rescued and transferred and purchased and forgiven by the eternity-changing sacrifice of Jesus. Amen? We got a lot to celebrate today. And so, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. And he's helping them to understand what it looks like to be rooted in Jesus. Is that something that you would join me today in committing to today? That, that God in this year, I'd love to be able to look back and to see as I started out in January of 2023, that I'd be able to look back at the end of 2023 and see how really getting serious about being rooted in Christ, the difference that that made in my year. For some of you, to be rooted in Christ, for you it means accepting what Christ did, that being enabled and purchased and transferred and forgiven and all that. And maybe today you might want to, I would encourage you to, put your faith in Jesus. 
If today is, when I pray, and I'm going to invite you to pray with me, as I pray, if you'd like to make that decision for Christ, we'd love to send you some information that'd be helpful to you. We'd love to connect with you. You can text the word Jesus to 269-231-8692, and we'd love to connect with you and send you some resources. What would it look like for you, for us, together, individually, individually and as a church, to be rooted in Christ. Will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, as we conclude today, as we sing this last worship song, I pray, Father, that you would speak to us, that you would help us understand what you want to do in us in this year. And Father, let's start out. God, I pray you help us to start out, to just be open to what, God, you want to do, that you want to, to root us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus. That there's growth, there's things you want us to learn and grow and, and surrender and uh, confess, all those things. God, I pray that you'd begin to do a work in us. And Father, I want to pray for that person that today is making a decision to invite your son to be their savior, to be forgiven, to be set free, to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. And God, as they, as they confess their sin and just acknowledge their need of you, of your son, God, I thank you that you are giving them new life and inheritance in eternity. Thank you, Father. Bless them, God. Bless us, Father, as we turn our attention to you, as we celebrate your son, as we put our roots deep this year. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.